you guys were brave to come up during a giving message um, <laughs> to be a volunteer. And good morning. How are we doing? We're going to get straight into the Word of God this morning. Who's ready? Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read from verse 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so eagerly, easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is our passage for this morning. And I want to point out that the author of Hebrews goes on to say here at the beginning that therefore since we are surrounded by greater cloud of witnesses who is this cloud of witnesses that he is referring to it's the men and women in the previous chapter that he's talking about in this in this chapter of faith those who have believed God and went before and now have been um, promoted to heaven this is the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on to run our leg of the race strong. The author of Hebrews goes on and says that this cloud of witnesses, just think about it for a moment, that for thousands of years, there's a group of witnesses that are waiting for your opportunity to run this race. If we could peel back a window in heaven... I bet the cloud of witnesses would say to us this morning, keep going. Don't be slowed down by those things that are of high value here, but keep going. Put those things off and run hard. And this is what the Lord says through his scriptures to us this morning. He says, don't slow down. Don't let those things that we value in this life cause us to stumble, cause us to slow down. But this is our opportunity. We are now breathing. If you've got a pulse in this building this morning, you have a race to run. The scripture goes on and says that And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's a race that's marked out for each of us. It doesn't look the same as the person sitting next to you. It's specific, it's personal, and it's unique. Our purpose, our race on the broad sense is, when we boil everything down, is to what? Be, like, be more like Jesus, as followers of Jesus. But I believe in this context, this race that the author is talking about is a specific, is a unique, is a personal lane, a race that God has called us to. 
What that means is what God has called you to is not generic. It's not the same as the person next to you. It's specifically designed by God for you. And then we read on, it says, in verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. I love this passage because it quickly tells us, it gives us the plan to be successful in this race by fixing our eyes on Jesus. It gives us the, the plan to how we're going to run strong in this race is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. The implication is that if we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we're going to slow. We're going to stop. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to fall. And what that means is we take our eyes off Jesus and we start looking at everything and anything else. We look to the left. We look to the right. And all of a sudden in that posture, in that mindset, we stop running strong. This morning, the title of my sermon is Stay in Your Lane. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to stay in your lane. Say to them, get back in your lane. (laughs) Sounds like I just dismissed you for lunch. Two weeks ago, the Lord started, as I was reading his word, he started to speak to me about comparisons. And even during this week and the discussions I've had with people, the Lord has been confirming this word that he spoke to me and and, and that I believe he wants to speak to our church this morning. This is going to be a two-part series this week and next week talking about staying in your lane. One of the most frustrating things in my life, or let's just say there is a frustrating thing in my life. How many know, how many have got kids and taking baby seats out of cars? Can I hear the groans? Before I had kids, people used to talk about this and I was like, it's easy. It's just a baby seat. Just unbuckle it. It's terrible. It's got to be the worst thing to have to change a baby seat from one car to the other. Anyway, another thing that frustrates me in life is when I'm driving in the car and I'm on the freeway, I'm on the highway, and I come over the crest of a hill and I see brake lights. I need to get somewhere and I see brake lights. I I quickly come to a stop and there's bumper-to-bumper traffic. There's traffic congestion and... I've sat in a lot of traffic in my life and I often think about which is the fastest lane. And I know if you've sat in traffic, you've probably thought the same thing. Well, the good thing this morning is we're going to get an answer to this. And so from experience, from a collective experience this morning, who finds that when they come to traffic congestion, bumper-to-bumper traffic, Who normally gravitates to the left lane? I I want to see a show of hands this morning. Who believes the left lane is moving the quickest? There's two. Two lanes. Okay, we have some conservative (laughs) people. 
Okay. Who would say that the right lane is the way to go? Just stick in the right lane. All right, we got overwhelming response. Okay. Okay, and there is a third category. It's not the shoulder. The third category is one of which you change lanes all the time. Who, who's, who's, that, who's these people? You change lanes? Just keep your hands up. Put them really high. Now, church, just keep them up. We're going to shame you this morning. Um, church, just turn around and have a look at these hands. Have a good look. Studies show, you, you can put them down now. Studies actually show that merging in traffic actually attributes to an extra 30% of delays. Thank you very much. This is true. That up to 30% more delays happen when people keep switching lanes in the middle of traffic congestion. The reality is, is that if you don't stay in your lane, not only will you affect yourself, but you'll affect other people. You'll affect other people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to stay in your lane. Just remind them when we're lining up for lunch as well. <laughs> but the reality is, is that there's some real concern when we keep getting out of our lane. And how many know that we might be in our lane and all of a sudden we're doing life, we're running this race and we've got our eyes in front, we've got our eyes on Jesus and we look over and we see Somebody running with a new running style. What do we do? They might be going faster. What do we do? We naturally want to copy it. We naturally want to say, hey, that's incredible. You've got some new sneakers. You've got a new running style. Hey, I want to adapt some of that. Or maybe they're going through an, an, an incredible season of breakthrough. And you're like, hey, man, that person's running fast. That person's running different. They're running in a different lane. And naturally, we want to look, we want to compare, and it actually stops us from moving forward. How many know that if I'm running in a race and I'm in a lane, if I keep looking to the right and the left, at some point I'm going to end up on the ground? At some point I'm going to fall, I'm going to stumble, because my priority, my focus has shifted. And this is what the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, we got to run in such a way that we keep our eyes on Jesus. We live in a world of comparisons. How many of you have felt really good about yourself? You've woke up one morning, you've felt really good about yourself, and then all of a sudden you've jumped on social media and you've seen somebody else's house 
You've seen somebody else's blessing. You've seen somebody else's kids' lunchboxes. Whatever it is, and all of a sudden, that, that feeling of, 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 of happiness all of a sudden leaves. Why? Because it's comparisons. And we live in a society where we're comparing all the time because of social media. Right there at our fingertips, it's constant comparisons. One of the greatest things we can do is actually realize who God has called us to be and what he's called us to do and run in that lane. Comparisons will want to stop us, will try and stop us in fulfilling the assignment he has on our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I've got no clue what my lane is. We'll come back next week because that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> that, I'm being serious. Um, but maybe you're like, hey, I've got no clue what my lane is. But what I've found is that if we sit down and do nothing, the Lord often doesn't give us clarity about where he's called us and what he wants us to do. What I've found is that I've actually got to move. And in the moving, more clarity comes. And as I continue to go from a standing still to a walk, to a power walk, to a run, by the time I'm running, it becomes more clear what God has called me to do. The tendency for us as human beings is, is to stop. We sit down and get comfortable and we say, God, show me what to do. But we actually have to be active in our pursuit of following him. Some examples of lanes that you could be running in would be a stay-at-home parent. If God has called you to this in this season, don't get caught into comparisons. This family does this, this happens, this, look at the, the way they dress their kids, you know, all that stuff. Another lane could be business. God has called you business. Don't get caught into comparisons. Maybe it's leadership and ministry. Don't get caught into comparisons. Maybe it's in the workplace or the school. In this season, this is the lane that God has for you. Let's not be caught into comparisons. How many know that the enemy actually wants to stop us finding out our purpose in life? This is one of his number one things is to stop us identifying what God has us on this planet for. But the second thing he does, if he can't stop our purpose, he stops our progress. So he tries to stop our purpose, but if he can't stop that, all he wants to do is he's happy for us to be in the lane. He's happy for us to understand what God has called us to do. But then he says, hey, look over here. Look over there. And all of a sudden, if he can just get us to compare ourselves with other people, he knows that sooner or later, our progress would have halted and we'll be sitting still and not moving forward in the purposes of God. The enemy is happy for you to know your purpose as long as you're not progressing. 
I only come up and preach something that I feel like the Holy Spirit has already given me an uppercut in. And so this morning is one of those times. And I think comparisons is something we all struggle with. Sometimes we think we don't and then all of a sudden there's a situation to compare and we realize, oh, hang on, I've still got a bit of work to do in this area. How many know that the disciples struggle with this as well? We see the disciples in the Gospels and they were struggling with this, this deal of comparisons. Over, you don't have to turn it, but over in John chapter 20, This is a story when Jesus has died. Mary comes to the tomb and the stone is rolled away. She goes back and tells Simon and Peter that the Lord is not here and the, and the tomb is empty. And we pick up the story here in John chapter 20, verse 3. And this is what it says. So Peter and the other disciple, which is John... He likes to write in the third person. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. It's interesting that John points out straight away that there's a race. Once again, it's a comparison. He clearly points out in this text that, hey, we've been told about the tomb being empty and there's a race now. Peter and John, they're in a race to the tomb. So both were running in verse 4. But the other disciple, which is John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is the first time in this short passage that John tells us that he beat Peter to the tomb. But it goes on. Verse 5, it says, He bent over and looked in the, oh, oh, sorry, he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Verse 6, Then Simon Peter came along behind him. Once again, John tells us again, he reminds us that Peter was behind him, that he beat Peter to the tomb. But we read on. And he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Verse 7, as well as, well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Verse 8, Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, which is John, he tells us again, also went inside. So here we have this short passage of Scripture where John is telling us three times that he beat Peter to the tomb. That he beat Peter in a running race. How important is this text that Jesus is now risen from the dead? It's incredibly important. And here we have John telling us three times that he beat Peter in a race. <laughs> I thought of that too, so you be quiet. <laughs> we read on here in, in John chapter 21, and this is when... The guys have gone back out fishing in the next chapter and Jesus is restoring Peter. 
We know the story. He says, do you love me three times? And he says, yes. And then it says here in, in John 21, verse 17, that the third time he said to him, Simon, uh, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but now that you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. I'll just ask if the worship team can come. Jesus explains in this tender moment with Peter. And as he finishes explaining this, he turns to Peter and he says, follow me. And the next verse says this, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must simply follow me. I find this fascinating that the disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus. They were sincere. They were committed. They were powerful. They were followers of Jesus. But even at the end of it all, there was still this thing of comparisons. And Jesus in this moment, in this tender moment, he gets them and he says, guys, it doesn't actually matter. Stop looking to the other lanes. Stop looking to the left. Stop looking to the right. Simply follow me. In the words of Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus. We need to be careful of comparisons. Because as soon as we take our eyes off Jesus and start looking around, it actually affects our progress. I was thinking about some practical ways that we know if we have a comparison mindset. And I've got four comments here that I want to read out. Largely, these are taken out of my own life, so they may or not relate to you. But number one is this. These are some things we can ask ourselves to see if we have a comparison mindset. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to allow comparisons to so affect and paralyze us that we are there and we can no longer move. Because that's the plan of the enemy, is that we get caught up in comparing ourselves to the point where we're literally sitting on the track, not even walking and not running the race. Number one is this. If you can't celebrate the success of others, you may have a comparison mindset. 
Let me say this again. Number one, if you can't celebrate the success of others, you may have a comparison mindset. Number two, if you are stingy with your compliments, you may have a comparison mindset. If you are stingy with your compliments, you may have a comparison mindset. Number three, if there is anyone in your life that secretly you would find joy or happiness in their failure, you may have a comparison mindset. If there is anyone in your life secretly you would find joy or happiness in their failure, you may have a comparison mindset. And number four, when you hear of others' success, you feel less than, neglected, forgotten, or insignificant. These may be a sign you have a comparison mindset. As I read Hebrews 12, I'm encouraged to run strong. I'm encouraged to run with purpose. I'm encouraged to run with determination because this is our time. For thousands of years, people have picked up this baton of following Jesus and heard His Word over their life, His call, His purpose, His assignment, and they've ran the race well. If you're here this morning, this is your chance to run this race. Not to sit down in a spectator's stand, but to run and run well. A week ago, Trey shared this verse, Isaiah 40 verse 31 with our group. And it was like the anointing on this verse as he shared it. And it stuck with me for one and a half weeks, a, a week. I just want to quickly read it. This is what it says. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And as he was sharing about this scripture that the Lord had spoken to him, we started having this discussion. How many know that you've, you've actually got to run to not grow weary? The promise isn't that you will walk or you will sit and not grow weary. The grace for renewing your strength is when you run, not when you sit down. And so the challenge for us is to not only understand the assignment God has for us, but once we understand that is to run. And then stay in your lane and keep your eyes on Jesus. When we compare with others, we are taking on a burden that we're not built for. The grace of God is located in your lane. Once you compare and once you copy someone else, there's no longer grace for that. We need a church of people that are know who they are and just being happy being them. 
I want Hayden to be Hayden. I want Carol to be Carol, Pete to be Pete, Bob to be Bob. Because that's when we can run and run this race with strength and purpose. Amen. We're going to have a, a, a time now where I really felt like the Lord, maybe, maybe you're in a season where you know the Lord's calling you to run, but for whatever reason you've stopped. Maybe you've compared yourself to other people. Maybe there's disappointments. Maybe you're like, hey, they always get the blessing and I don't, and now I'm just going to sit here. Or whatever the reason is that you've stopped progressively moving forward in the very thing that God has called you to do. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to invite you. Why don't we close our eyes? I just want to invite you to come forward. And the prayer team's going to come and they're going to pray with you. If you feel this morning that you've stopped, that you're walking, but God is calling you to run, we want to have some time where we pray for you. Also, if you're here, you've never experienced the forgiveness of God. You've never come to that place where you've said, Lord, I give you my life. I want to invite you to come down the front. We want to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of giving Him your life. He would change you. He would take you and make something beautiful out of it. The team's just going to sing this song through maybe just one more time. And then if you want prayer for anything, just come out the front and the prayer team's going to be here.